Hello and welcome back to the Oakland Athletics All 162 Podcast with Ethan Strauss. We're here, to, <laughs> we're here to talk about the hottest team in Major League Baseball. 11 straight wins for your Oakland A's, Ethan. I turned off the game uh, once, like right before it was going to go into extras. And then right before the final inning, I thought it was done. And then another miracle, Anthony. It's, it's truly incredible. We could totally get into it. Offensive Team explosion. That knows how to win ball Matt, games. Matt Olson, most most underrated player in baseball. Is that what we're discussing? The Minnesota Twins had two errors tonight that uh, completely lost them the game in extra innings. Second baseman booted it, and the third baseman threw it away right at the end. I do that to transition to the Warriors because mm. man, there's probably people listening to this podcast that are like, "Whoa, they've gone way too long <laughs> on this." Uh, we're on. It's actually the Warriors All Eighty Two podcast. And the Warriors keep squandering games late. They keep kind of botching situations. Uh, probably should have been a five and zero road trip. You, you could you could definitely argue four and one with me because, you know, Tatum went and won that game in Boston. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say Westbrook came and won that game tonight uh, for the Wizards. But you hand Steph Curry back an eleven point lead with five minutes left. Yeah, oof. Uh, you you got to win that game. And, and I mentioned the the, the late issues that's Andrew Wiggins missing a game time layup in the in the final 20 seconds were pretty you know it wasn't a wide I, wide open is too strong but a should make layup yeah. and it was similar to the one Draymond Green missed in Boston to tie it in the final minute so um and we can go on and on and on this season well, Damian Lee just a couple of weeks ago missed one or didn't yeah. even take one against the Wizards. well it's like so, the, anyway. the, did they hand back an 11 point lead to Steph Curry or did they hand back a lead to a depleted end of the road trip, gave everything, battling injuries, wearing the butt pad uh, stuff. And it almost seemed to me, at least, that in this game, the guys who had the biggest load finally fell apart at the end of the road trip. That's what it looked like to me. That didn't look like Steph. That looked like Monstars, Space Jam, uh, talent taken for a lot of that game. And it just looked like fatigue and out of rhythm. And so in a certain way, it made sense that they were carried by the spirited performances of the bench that almost got them there. Yeah. Um, it was almost, I called it in my post game, like the, the most well-earned terrible game ever, Mm -hmm. you know, like you can't sit there and criticize Steph Curry, but the stats are what the stats are. He was seven to 25 shooting. So eight, 18 points on 25 shots, six turnovers, bad turnovers too. He said that his least favorite play of the game was he, he was coming up the court and he kind of, uh, you know, pump fake Alex Lynn out of the play. And his, his choice was wide open three swing it to a hot Jordan pool who had a wide open three on the corner or Kelly Oubre had kind of sprung free for a dunk and he tried like a sidearm pass that, and he like that might have it might exaggerate if I say that might have been the worst passing game uh, I've seen from him um in all my time watching is, you know is that crazy yeah he had a really bad first quarter passing first quarter against Philadelphia the game before now he completely corrected it so much that I literally had a tweet in the middle of the first quarter that said like Three turnovers, two missed shots, zero points for Steph Curry. He looks out of whack tonight, you know, with the with the ankle thing. And then that everyone was hot ta- or old takes exposing it mm. after the game because he turned out he scored forty nine points. But yeah, his last two games he has not passed well. Uh, I don't know if you're exaggerating because he's had some bad passing games. Oh yeah, his career, as we I know. mean, 
he certainly had really bad. bad passing games that mattered more in the grand scheme of things. But this one, you know, at times it looked like he was trying to hit the hands of his opponents. And it's hard to criticize him. I think we're doing it in the context of he has given everything on this road trip. He is delivering an incredible season. But at the same time, it just... They lost tonight because he lost them the game, which yeah, is fine. Yeah. I mean, that happens over the course of a, of a season. Uh, he if missed you, four shots just, in the final five minutes that were wide open three. If you just so, watched this game with the sound off and you didn't know anything about... If we transported you from the year 1980 and just had you watch this game and you didn't know anything about Steph Curry, uh, you would just think, this guy is terrible. <laughs> this guy okay, is awful. What, what, you want to know what I thought think is a little bit funny or ironic about this game is like so he has a bad first quarter they have a really bad yeah. first quarter i think they're down 38 20 at the end of the first quarter he had a few turnovers the warriors had nine turnovers wiggins wasn't good tonight by the way i mentioned the really bad late miss yeah. he went five of 20 so mm-hmm. those are your two best scores going 12 of 44 but he leaves at the end of the first quarter down 18 and maybe at the time he's sitting there thinking like look this is just one of those blowout nights and and i'm tired everybody in the first quarter look tired and it would have been if they had just lost by 25 and just got boat raced right away Mm. we wouldn't be sitting here talking about curry's mistakes and curry's plus minus tonight because it wouldn't have stuck out everyone would have had a bad plus minus but the problem is the bench was so good that it spotlights what curry did because kelly Oubre 24 points uh, Jordan Poole, 22 huge points at, at important times. So they not only drag that 18-point deficit, so so you know they enter the second quarter down 18. I think it's down two when Steph comes back. It was like a plus 16 stretch. And then they just explode in the fourth quarter and give him that 11-point lead that gets melted but, away. But, so it's like his teammates doing what they don't usually do made it so we're sitting here talking yeah. more about Steph's performance. They did. They made a game out of it. I, I should say maybe... Maybe since Steph had eight assists, you can't say it was his worst passing performance ever. It just seemed incredibly sloppy. That's 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 what I'll leave it at. We won't go with worst. We won't be uh, hyperbolic, I suppose, though. That would be an interesting trolley list kind of article to do on The Athletic. Just Steph Curry's 10 worst passing games. Just at the the height of his amazing season. It would be interesting to see the reactions, Anthony. There are there you know there are listeners listening to us right now being like just these haters. <laughs> the, this is the game Ethan would come on the Warriors. Oh Warriors yeah, too, yeah, yeah. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. And you we'd w- spend the first ten minutes like di- dissecting all of Curry's oh, yeah. mistakes. The, the Warriors tonight. lose, and then you you know your phone is is just ringing and ringing. You're like, God, Ethan, stop, stop asking me to come on the podcast just because the Warriors lost. It's ridiculous. Um, I you know I I was I was hoping for a win. It's more fun to talk about a win. I don't know if that's objective. But objectively, that's what I would rather talk about. And some of the bench performances uh, were exciting. Bazemore, that block on on Avdiah uh, before, the, unfortunately, what happened to him later. But that block out of nowhere, I thought to myself, he probably has never seen anything like that playing in Israel. That was just completely out of nowhere. Um, there are guys hitting the floor. It's nice to see a, another Jordan Poole game where he's coming back to life. And we talked about that on the podcast where he was scuffling. But I think we, we all more or less liked how he was playing. And in this game, he was especially aggressive, um, more so when he when he has the offense and Steph's not on the floor, it seems. And those results, I think, were very encouraging. I mean, you've got some up-and-down stuff 
from this season with Poole, but I think that was encouraging. There, there was some encouraging stuff in this game, even if it ended in a massive disappointment. Um, and also with the whole play-in setup, I'm not even sure what the pressure is. I'm not even sure. So, re- yeah, like what are let's they? Let's just let's for? go one by one with these topics because yeah. I want to talk Uber, I want to talk pool, and then I want to talk wider scope. Like you know where this. Oh, is I going forgot. I forgot. I'm, a, I'm an Uber hater. I should have given credit. Uber great game. Do you, okay. Let's let's uh, let's dive into tongue and in cheek. Um, so he misses five games, and it's five of the better games of the season. Obviously, Steph looks unlocked. Um, you know, Bazemore's more of a ball mover. The starting lineup, not only without Oubre, but without Wiseman, was just working. Everything was working to the point that Steve Kerr benched Kelly Oubre. You know, he he it, even – so he was maybe going to come back in the Boston game, mm. and – Kerr was like, doesn't you know? Even if he comes back, he's coming off the bench. So you knew going into the Philly game, like, no, Kelly Oubre is now a reserve. Which it's that wouldn't seem like as big a deal if right before the deadline it became a huge storyline that he literally came out and said that he, you know, he doesn't view himself as a bench player, and that was kind mm-hmm. of you know an underlying tension with with the whole. I like do you him. Trade him? Do you? Not I like trade him, him better. I like him better in the supplementary bench role. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think if. On a winner, that's clearly where he fits best. Now, again, I'm, I think he has larger I'm, career aspirations. But in I'm, this current moment, go ahead. I don't, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. I'm enjoying starter base more. I mean, that's the other thing. Yeah, six steals tonight, by the way, including that late one that, that almost tied the game. But, you're, I mean, he Kelly Oubre is an energy bench player on a, on a winning team. That's that's what he should be. Um, and, he, he, you know, he is a, he's kind of – can be weirdly streaky himself and, and sometimes you like that out of bench guys you bring him in and if they're you know he Kerr I don't think planned to play Kelly Oubre the final 18 minutes of the first half tonight he put him in with six minutes to go in the first quarter and he probably would have taken him out at some point but Kelly Oubre had 18 first half points he just never took him out because he was playing really well so he went super small and you can do that with bench players you can kind of selectively you know put them in and pull them out a little bit easier and he I think it, you know, he's clearly accepted this role for the rest of the season. And for the Warriors, that's all that really matters at this yeah. moment. They'll get to free agency when they get to free agency. And, you know, does this affect his desire to be with the Warriors long term? Should the Warriors even want him long term? Do they need to get a trade exception? Blah, blah. Like, those are all relevant future conversations. For right now, this rotation fits better. And Kelly Uber seems to fit better in the role you saw him in tonight. And he had a really good game. Yeah. And it was only his second game back. And it, it, it was solid. I, a million percent agree. I, I enjoy this Kelly Oubre way more than the Kelly Oubre who off the bat is part of the offense. And I, like I said, I've, I've been a little surprised about what Bazemore is bringing to the table in the starting role and, and how much energy uh, he's bringing on the defensive end. And it's going to be a roller coaster with either one of those guys. Uh, but that, that switch, that switch is one that I support and I think uh, has worked out well. I want to add something else too, because I think it bears mentioning that, Wiggins had an awful offensive game, but I thought he had a very good defensive game. So that's that's another thing worth mentioning. Yeah, I mean, uh, second time he's guarded Beal well to the point that that might have been a post-game story, but also the second time he ruined that post-game story with something in the final minute that, yeah. that helped lead to a loss. The first time it was that and one foul on Beal in the corner. This time it was the missed layup to kind of cap his 5 of 20 night. But he, look, Andrew Wiggins is a very good wing defender. That's just yeah. what it is at this point. And I know they, they, they're trying to coach out some of his off-ball habits that, that aren't necessarily great in a team scheme, and that very much matters. But, like, he's like he 
he might be a top five Bradley Beal like defender in the league. You know what I mean? Just like the way he can kind of like uh, laterally move and recover and stays with him. Like he just guards one on one moves well from wings and scores. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think overall this season, uh, very impressed. And uh, even if this was a game that was intensely frustrating offensively, and it's funny, I have no stats to back this up, but I feel like. I feel like when Damian Lee misses, he misses long. And when Wiggins misses, he misses short. That's that's what it felt like. And with the lessened legs, as it were, I felt like a lot of those misses were short uh, from, from Wiggins. I'm just scattershot. I'm scattershot observations right now, Anthony. You got to get me. You got to like, like you got to put me in the proper role like a Kelly Oubre. I need to know it. Well, I'm just going I'm- free association too much. I'll get it coming up because I want to. I think when I want to break down some of these lower in the West bracket uh, teams and, and where you think mm. the Warriors can maybe land. But you mentioned Pool, so he had twenty two points. Um, Should have played more. He, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, when you are a bench player and you come in with with four minutes to go in the in the first and third quarters it becomes tough to be a closer because you're, you know, he's going to play the last three to four minutes of, of the first and third. And then he's playing the first seven minutes, let's say of, of the second and fourth. And then at some point it's like, he's kind of tired. Right. And it's like, you know, yeah. you've, you've earned closing minutes, but at the same time you've played like 11, well, 12 consecutive minutes. Like you might need to get pulled out of the game. And, and it may be the thought process because he was yanked around crunch time. Um, and maybe the thought process is that, with Steph in the game, he's not going to be doing the offensive Jordan Poole thing. So he's not going to be giving you the same. But then when he was out, the offense really sputtered and they just couldn't generate looks or any kind of rhythm. So hindsight being twenty twenty, Monday morning quarterback, I probably should have should have had Poole in that crunch time. Yeah, I mean, the shot was on tonight. Like, you know, you felt best with him shooting a wide open three over anybody tonight. Uh, so... You know, it's funny. I've mentioned this a couple times now. I actually am finally dropping that Jordan Poole story tomorrow, mm. um, which I would, you know, I'm trying to publicize it a little bit. Uh, it's It's got a ton of quotes from Jordan Poole himself, about 25 minutes interview with him, uh, with Kerr a little bit. Uh, Chris Weems gave me a bunch of good quotes, and Chris DeMarco, who works closest on the coaching staff with Jordan Poole. Just kind of about this moment for him and the fact that, you know, Kerr has shortened his rotation. By the way, he only played seven guys tonight. Mm. Um, and it's it's very veteran heavy. Everyone's between the ages of like 26 and um, 25, 26 and like 33. And like Mannion, like I said, has disappeared. Like Wiseman forced this move, right? Like Wiseman would be playing now and they would be prioritizing Wiseman. But him yeah. getting injured has made, has made Kerr completely focused on like the now. Yeah. But Jordan Poole is still getting minutes. And, and to me, yes, they are developmental minutes, but I think it's a very good sign for him that he's not getting developmental minutes. He's getting minutes right now because he's proving he's he's worth those minutes. Yeah. And and, and they, they're helping them win. And you're, I mean, you're, he got 25 minutes tonight and you're sitting here post game talking about like, should he have closed? Should they have played him 30 minutes tonight? And it's, it's, it's a, a reasonable argument for you to make. And, and that's quite a jump for him. And, and I think me and you have really tried to not 
you know, dr- hit the gas too much on like where Jordan Poole could be going because I do think there's a lot of limitations within him, and and I'll get into that in the story and and then where they really need him to be better defensively. But th- he's made a huge leap. Yeah, the the skill the skill is so impressive. I don't know, I just don't know what it all ends up being. But yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Did you get? A good quote out of DeMarco. It's hard to get a good quote out of DeMarco. He's so by the book. He's going to... I, I give him a lot of shit for it. He's going to go back to the coach speak. If you coaxed... Uh, if you coaxed a few great quotes out of DeMarco, I think I will be as impressed by anything anybody has done in journalism. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. There's been some good journalism in the year 2020, 2021, I must say. I, a couple solid ones. I think the main thing is, um, I'm not necessarily even saying I got this out of DeMarco, but I just through the reporting of the story know that during the pandemic, particularly during the bubble when, when all the Warriors players could do, and I'm talking about the, the NBA is playing in the bubble, the Warriors are excluded, but they opened their facility. All they could do was have... Their players go in and go one coach, one player, one basket, and all you could do is just individual work for like you know months and months wow. and months, really, yeah. which is very, you know, tedious and and and, and could really drag on. And Pool and and uh, Demarco developed like a routine of you know Pool would watch all the bubble games, including like really he was really watching Miami because he played in college with Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. Uh, he didn't play in college with Tyler Hero, but they're both from yeah. Milwaukee. He just has that connection. He watched a lot of Miami's like off ball movement. Remember that playoff run Miami had in the bubble, yeah. and he would like take his phone and take videos off the TV and like send them to Demarco. Like, hey, let's tomorrow in our one on one sessions, which is all they can do. Um, let's let's run through this play. You know, let's let's mimic this play on the court a bunch of times, and and he would do that a bunch with defensive stuff too. Like, our you know, look at the way Gary Harris trapped the box here. Let's work. Let's go and mimic this play tomorrow. I just you know, I thought some of that, some of that work for a for a player who had not, you know Jordan Poole, and he wasn't alone, but had nine months of not playing basketball. Mm. Like, how do you get better within that? And that's like a lot of what the story's about. It's it's interesting that there are two guys officially with the Warriors who are looking at Duncan Robinson and using him as a model because the other guy over there in Australia is Justinian Jessup, who specifically watched a bunch of Heat um, in the finals and was saying, look, I need to know what that guy did. And that Duncan Robinson's become this guy because nobody thought he would become an NBA player. Um, and he's uh, transformed into a valuable piece who's going to make a lot of money. Uh, it, it, I wonder if they're the only ones. I wonder if it's just Jessup and Poole or if around the NBA, everybody is looking at uh, Duncan Robinson, of all people, as a model for improvement. I, I do think there's, there's I'm sure, players that are like, that's who I, you know, Jessup, like you mentioned, but Jessup's looking at Duncan Robinson like, that's a player I'll be in the league. Pool's not <laughs> I'm, doing I'm a that. goofy white guy. That's a goofy white guy. That's the yeah. guy. That's Pool's not yeah. doing that. Pool is mostly just was looking like Miami runs a lot. Of, you know, they do a lot of read and react off ball stuff that the Warriors do. And that's where Pool's kind of got to fit in. And like some of that off ball action, you know, curling around screens that Duncan Robinson does, they, he needs to implement that into his game. But Pool has a lot more on ball ability and will have a lot more on ball responsibilities, even even on a team with yeah. Draymond Green and Steph Curry. So well, I, I, he, I don't, I don't want to pretend like he was watching his former college teammate and yeah, saying, that's I, who I need to be. It was more like he was just studying different nuances of the 
game. And I gotcha. Going, he was thinking yeah. more like a, maybe hero as a model. Um, so let's look let's look at the uh, the pool because he had this the scuffling, a lot of missing. But even after that, after this game, he's at fifty seven point two true shooting, roughly average in this modern NBA. Um, per thirty six minutes, averaging a shade under twenty two points a game. Um, that's that's at his age. That's interesting. You know, it's uh, I like both of us don't know the ceiling on it, but definitely worth watching going forward. And I expect some of the percentages to uh, to creep up. I think he's a better three point shooter than thirty five percent. I'll say that much. Yeah, you know, and and this is coming off his first three three months in the NBA were three of the least efficient months ever in the NBA. He went one of 14 on twos in the month of December and three of 24 on threes in that same month. So it was like, he just like literally almost went a month and like didn't make a shot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but, uh, let's get to the standing. So if you were of the, uh, you know, and there was a few people around the warriors that were like the last few days, you know, they had gone three and they had the big Philly win. They had gone six and two over an eight game stretch. Portland was kind of cratering a bit. Lillard was out with a hamstring. You got the Jason Quick story on Terry Stotts. It's just not going that well in Portland. Mm. And there was like this target of the six seed. Like, are we sure the six seed is out of reach? Mm. Um, looking at the remaining Portland schedule, it's and the remaining Warriors schedule, which is home heavy and it has a lot of like tanking teams. But this loss to me, if you actually thought that was a realistic scenario, and I didn't, I kind of thought it was ambitious. They would yeah. have to hop Dallas, Memphis, and Portland, um, which I don't think is happening. But if you did think it was like realistic, then tonight's loss really stings. They they yeah. needed that win, just like they're gonna need a like to go basically, you know, like twelve and two if you think six is in play. But let's say six isn't in play. I think they've got to get by either Memphis or Dallas because you really want to be on the seven eight side of the plan, not the nine ten side. And right now they are as we're talking they're one and a half games behind Memphis but Memphis is down 5 at the end of the third quarter as we're speaking mm. to the Clippers um so let's say Memphis lose that then there's just a one game um difference and they play Memphis the last game of the regular season in Chase Center that could be and the tiebreaker would be on the line so I don't know take it where you want to take it but what do you think about like where the play-in is the standings I, who do you like who do you not like? I got so distracted while you were talking just looking at the standings just the design of the play-in with the two quadrants uh is just almost throwing me I'm, it's like the 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 line that's kind of dotted to separate <laughs> six and seven and then the hard line at the at the end of ten um I was talking with it about it with Sam Amick on like the the athletic NBA show earlier this week. Um, And I, he made a good point that like, it's kind of cool. It's created this race between six and seven. Now, you know, you usually just had eight. Now you have a race at six and seven and a race at like 10, 11. It's like Mm. it added an extra layer to, to the playoff chase where like Dallas really wants to get by Portland. Hmm. Yeah, it really matters between six and seven. That's kind of like a cool new thing. And then add to that, like we might get like Luka Doncic against Steph Curry for a, in a one game elimination scenario. Like that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah that that would be super interesting. I'm trying to figure out is this like the Elam ending where I I looked at it at the beginning before it happened. And I thought this is too crazy. It is too if you're explaining you're losing. 
uh, you know, it's like Don Draper trying to explain that High Lie is never going to catch on in the United States because people just can't even get over uh, the spelling of it's going to confuse people and it's just not going to work. And then the Elam ending comes for the All-Star game and it's awesome. And this play-in thing, I mean, we had it in the bubble. I don't know if it really connected. I, I'm still a little bit juries out on it. I think it does make aspects of the regular season more interesting and it cuts down on tanking but it is a little confusing and it does dilute making the playoffs i thought Doncic had a good point on that and it's i'm a little bit i'm a little bit out on it but i don't i reserve the right to change my mind if this play in tournament is going to be incredible and this game between let's say Steph and Luca is going to be a classic. Um, I'm a little bit wait and see, but it, because it kind of feels like the Warriors should be fighting for their playoff lives. And instead there's this weird cushion where they are, they are effectively, they would have to try really hard to be out of the play in. Well, the Pelicans have, have continued to make their life easy with just yeah. bad loss after bad loss. The Pelicans have now lost four straight. Now new Orleans does play the Warriors three times in the final, I think 12 games. They have not played at all this season. Two of them are in new Orleans, um, coming up pretty soon. Mm. So they, if they lost all three of those games, sure. They would like crack open the door pretty wide for the Pelicans. But in general, you're right. I think I don't see the Pel. I think the Pelicans are a, a tough scene. I I don't think that SVG is is connecting with those guys. I I just don't I don't see it for them. Uh, with how well, yeah. yeah. Not only that, but the Warriors also have two Thunder games, or a Rockets game, mm-hmm. a Minnesota Timberwolves game. Like there's a lot of just like just shovel the wins in yeah. the left side of the column. So. Be- I yes I I in no way think that it, it's fall a weird the feeling is that, do the, I wonder how fans feel about it because it's like it almost feels like they've missed the playoffs or they've kind of it's like they fell out of a window and they landed on a on a mattress it's a weird thing it's like they should be fighting for their lives to make the eighth seed instead they're fighting for something a little more abstract and theoretically they could be out of the whole thing except probably not really because of the schedule you're talking about. So they're going to make some sort of play in. I mean, is that, that's the scenario, right? It's weird. Yeah, but, but eight, but the difference between eight and nine matters. Now it doesn't matter like typical years where you are literally in or you're out, but mm. let's say they get eight and they play, they're playing. This is my prediction. I think Portland's going to fall below Dallas. So I would think at this point, let's say the Warriors get by Memphis It'll probably be Warriors in Portland. Oh yeah, and and if the Warriors win in Portland in a one game scenario, the, the which Warriors, would be very fun. I by feel the like way. the Warriors might even be favored if Steph is healthy. We're just talking Steph versus the Blazers. I, I almost feel like yeah, that's the scenario you want. And and by the way, that's a very fun basketball game. There's going to be like ABC Saturday afternoon or something like that. Yeah. Um. And if they win that, then they're the seven. That would probably match them up with Phoenix in the first round. And yeah, there was a playing scenario. Like it doesn't feel like a normal seven seed or whatever. Like yeah, it will. Once game one starts of a series, you'll be like yeah, they're in the playoffs. And yeah. all we'll be talking about is the sp- specifics of the matchup. Let's say they lose that then. They would then drop into what will probably be a, uh, the winner of Memphis-San Antonio. Um, this is just my guess, by yeah. the way. I'm just like laying out a hypothetical scenario. And that 
Memphis is better. Let's say John Morant and Jaron Jackson, who's supposed to, I think he might be playing tonight. He's mm. supposed to be back very soon. Um, coming into Chase Center with like 6,500 people there. And, and it's a complete, it's like a game seven basically mm. in there. Like that'll be fun to go to. Oh, yeah. See like a young team against the Warriors. And then if they win that, they probably play Utah in the first round. Yeah. And the reason why I say there's a big difference between eight and nine is you're you're seven or eight you get two games to win one you're nine or ten you have two games to win two you have to win both so um i don't i i think it's gonna be fun it's just the 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 final few weeks of this season set up really fun uh if you're following the warriors yeah i i think so i just don't know i don't know if what's the percentage of teams that effectively i know it's not technically the playoffs but I think it's two thirds, basically, of your league makes the playoffs. It's just, it, it feels a little bit like inflation. That's what it feels like. Like it just feels a little bit, a little bit goofy. But I agree with you that when we get down to it, it's going to be a fun game. And you know, what is the ideal path as you see it? Not just the path you laid out of being in Portland, but you know who you play. Hey. You want to, you think Phoenix is the ideal path. Like, but by the way, you think that's bad. Look out East. Uh, mm. You know, the 25 and 33 wizards who beat the Warriors oh, tonight geez. just hopped into the 10. Oh my Bradley God. Beal is in the 10 seed. Right oh now, so quit talking about trading him. He's in the playoff hunt. That's in- um, incredible. Yeah. Um, Pacers are the nine, by the way. I mean, that you talk about a great ABC game, Anthony. You know, a great ABC a- afternoon. <laughs> you can put that one on NBA TV. I, I feel right? like Pacers Hornets without Lamelo is really what the nation craves. Lamelo's back though. Oh yeah, Lamelo will be back for a play-in game, and right now that would be Heat Hornets play-in game with Lamelo Ball in the mix. Okay, I'm That's sold. Fun. I'm sold. Yeah, thank I'm sold. you. He's sold. Thank you. He's sold. Um, I uh, think. You're gonna. I think we will be exiting play in a weekend, and we'll have Ethan Strauss on the Warriors Plus Minus podcast, and he'll be like, "Wow, that was a great idea, like, great job." I'm like Bill Let Simmons. Let me look at the ratings. Like the, oh, the ratings weren't that great. So. <laughs> Cousin Sal, that play in tournament was amazing. <laughs> yeah, oh, I can see. Oh. I, I reserve the right to reverse it. I, I just feel I'm a traditionalist. What can I say? It just seems like too much dilution. It seems like too many. You know, maybe it's time to expand the league then we got to expand the league because too many teams are making the play in slash playoffs seattle um all right well you you we can close on this topic because you asked me let's try to lay out the hypothetical best case scenario is that what you asked? yeah best case and worst case let's go best case and worst case well best case remains (laughs) that they somehow get up to to six because Portland just completely right now I'm looking there four games behind the Blazers the Blazers and Nuggets right now with 455 left in the game are tied 99-99 I should probably flip over to that um, and Memphis is now within two on NBA we're, TV. We're, worst case is uh, there's been a setback but it won't jeopardize Anthony Davis's return and uh, you know the Lakers just drop a bunch of games and fall into the play in bracket and play the Warriors that's that yeah yeah that's probably their worst case um, but that doesn't seem like it's happening no, because the Lakers not, not gonna have kept like a strong deep. By the way, shout out to Frank Vogel. The Lakers like have basically kept a top ten, top five defense without Davis and LeBron, and they're yeah. like winning yeah. a bunch of game or enough games, I should say. Anyway, I think their best case is you get in the set. Well, like I said, the six, and then you, you know, if Denver somehow climbs up to the three without Murray, that's like absolute best case. But let's assume they're in the play in. I think it's just get on the 7-8 side, and then who would you rather play, Utah or Phoenix, if you're the Warriors? 
Yeah, that is a really good question. I think I would rather... It's tough because Utah's such a complete team. But at the same time, Gobert never seems to be able to handle that that uh, that action with Steph. Like, he's not good at it. He's not good at playing up. So maybe you could take advantage there. Uh, and Phoenix is so complete. But you know, Chris Paul could always pull a hammy. I guess my instinct says Suns, just with the lack of experience. I'll, I guess we'll go Suns as... Is the preferable preferable matchup? Yeah, I'd probably agree. I think it's tougher to go into Utah and win. I think Utah won at some point like twenty four straight at home. Um, Phoenix it just doesn't seem as uh, dangerous of a home team. No, uh, I think the Warriors are are heavy heavy underdogs in either series. Yeah. And first of all, have to get to either series too, which yes. is like not simple for them. Um, but you know, just because. A potential. Also, you know what? I, Steph, what? I I just realized too. Like, what are they going to do about Gobert on uh, in, in general? I mean, yeah, he'll struggle with Steph, but they they've got nobody tall. <laughs> it seems like that are might you, be an issue. Are you criticizing one Kavon Looney? Right <laughs> no, I think Kavon Looney is six foot nine. I think a god among men, but he is at the height of a power forward slash large wing. It just seems like dealing with Gobert over the course of a series. Uh, Draymond's just going to foul they, out every game. They lose that series, but yeah, you if you're the Warriors, you just you want to scare them. You know, I think that's probably. I think that's really the goal at this point for the Warriors: get into the play-in, get through the play-in, scare somebody. Yeah, scare somebody. Yeah, scare somebody. That's and a that's good on mantra. The table. And that and that's on the table. So, all right, Ethan. This was enjoyable. We'll talk more A's uh, another time. Frankie Montas. Frankie Montas getting back. getting lit up. Got to get the lit up again. Got to get the location better. That stuff he has, just you know, we got to locate the fastball. I know it's easy from my couch, but we just want to see you do well, Montas. You know, you, you, odd you, start to the season for the A's. Would they go like zero and six, and then they won eleven straight? Like, what's going on? But you were so early on the Frankie Montas bandwagon that you have a lot of emotional investment. You told me we went to a matinee game that maybe a thousand people were at years ago and uh, you had identified Montas as a, as a guy who might pop and he might, uh, you know, get some momentum and hit the big time. So yeah, I, I, I want him to turn it around. I, I hope that Lazardo can channel some momentum after the last start and uh, yeah, the A's they're cooking up something special. And that'll do it for the Warriors all 82 podcast. With Ethan go. Strauss. Thank you for coming on anytime. I mean, I lied about that, but sometimes. Play in game. You'll come after. Yeah, indeed. Okay.